guys, this episode's going to be fucking romantic. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. It always depend on Andy for having the sexy voice on this podcast, right? Somebody's got to bring a deep voice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I can go deeper. We're having a West Coast IPA. It's, it's going to be a great it's, evening. We're, you oh, know, we're doing, we're doing this because right it's the season of love. I'm just messing God with you guys. Damn I it. Like, man. <laughs> you bastard. Please tell us you over the All right. right well, Rob <laughs> took the love all out of this episode. It's not going to be love. Give there, Rob. I mean. All right. Welcome to the Bruise Day podcast, episode number 30. I'm Wes. I'm joined by Josh, Andy, and Rob. What's up, guys? What's up? Hey, everyone. 30's impressive. I think it is. <laughs> I think 30's good. Yeah. Uh, as we alluded to, it's the season of love. It's Valentine's Day week. So we are going to be getting into some love, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking about our love of beer. Um, but before we get into our love affair of beer, let's uh, drink some beer first, I think. That's a great idea. So cheers, guys. Cheers. 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 So the beer we're drinking today is a dexterity check. It's a American IPA from Bottle Logic Brewing out of Anaheim, California. It's got a 3.82 average with uh, just over 1,600 check-ins. It's got 7.1% 7, ABV and 70 IBU. Um, this one is hopped with four different hops. Columbus, Centennial, Amarillo, and Simcoe. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. <laughs> oh, gladly. Uh, they say that this is going to be an effortlessly balanced body with just a wisp of stealthy pine bitterness on the finish. So let's let's see what you guys think of it. Josh, you're shaking your head already. I feel like you got your opinion set. I, I sort of do. So I, I think they nailed it with the, and they, they worded it very nicely, but the wisp of stealthy pine bitterness on the finish. I, I get that. I get hopped throughout. I, I think looking it up, uh, even on the can, they they call it a West Coast, which which I would say is accurate. What I'm not getting is any of the aroma that they mention. It, it just sort of smells like, you know, fresher or good hops. And, and I get a lot of that throughout, but I'm not getting a whole lot of mango or tropical fruit. Yeah, I love either. the beer. I, I think it's good, but I'm, I'm not getting that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not either. Although I would also say I'm not getting a wisp of stealthy pine bitterness on the finish. I'm getting a lot of pine bitterness on the finish. Re Remember though, it's really sticking out to me. They're saying it has an aroma of mango and tropical fruit. Does not taste like, and I actually do get a little bit of mango and tropical when you get, when you take a big really? sniff of it. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that, Wes. I, I don't really know if this is dank enough for me to be considered a West Coast IPA. I would... I'm not, I don't, when I first tried it, I, I thought I was getting a little bit of like maltiness on my, on my palate. And it just doesn't have that kind of punch in the mouth of hops that we, we always kind of look for and, and like. So maybe it's a West Coast IPA just because of where the brewery is located, but not necessarily <laughs> when it comes to the, the flavor of the hops in the beer. It's certainly on the smoother side. I think where, I think I might be mistasting the malt, Andy, that, that you're pulling from it and sort of associating that with some of the more, you know, less bitter hop that they, that they, that you, know, you guys kind of read out that, that was in this beer. Yeah. I feel like it's a little sweeter than I would generally think of a 
West Coast IPA. I feel like I agree with you, Andy. Normally you get that really dank, dankness to it, and you kind of get a punch at the end, but there's not really all that much sweetness in the middle. I know they can vary, but I do really feel like for a West Coast IPA, it does have to give me that like punch in the mouth finish that we all yeah. talk about. And I'm not getting this. I am getting a nice piney, hoppy bitterness at the end, but it's not as much as you'd expect from a West yeah, Coast. Yeah, I feel like if you gave this beer to a brewer in either like San Diego or like NorCal, like they would just drink it and be like, okay, that's that's a single, like IPA. IPA. Like, no, that's yeah. a West Coast. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> just a yeah. big shake of the head. Yeah, I think it's very easy to say that if you're just having this without being told it's a West Coast, n- none of us would jump out and say that. Really cool can art. I, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I, I like it. It's got uh, like a bunch of, I guess, dice all over it. Just, yeah, the 20-sided die. Yeah, just uh, kind of cool. Josh, Robert, I'm waiting. Are you, are you trying to tell us you're not a dungeon master? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I really wasn't going to get into this. <laughs> So, uh, for, so for tell some of our listeners, yeah. for some of our listeners, dexterity check, strength check, um, they're all sort of popular from uh, a few different board games, but the most popular being Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so there, there you have it. That's there's I don't the think this beer. Yeah, I don't think this beer has enough strength to it when it comes to the hops. Well, they need to check it. They have a strength check. You should, you should check it out. Uh, what do you guys think? You so average is three point eight two on Untapped right now. What are you guys thinking? Where, where are you going to be around there? Or are you around there? Are you above it, under it? Where are you at? I'm going to go a little below because it doesn't, for me, it doesn't live up to what I would expect a West Coast IPA. It's tasty, but I'm going to, I'd probably give it about a 3.7, maybe 3.6, probably closer to a 3.7. I think I'm right at a 3.8. So sort of right where, where that average sits. And, and Andy, I think you're, you're spot on that it, it doesn't necessarily hit some of the things you were looking for with it being described as a West Coast. Um, I'm just a fan of, of pine and bitterness. And if I sort of ignore that part, I still think it's a, a solid beer and I would drink it again. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be around a three, nine. Uh, initially, when I first took a sip, I, w- I would have said four, but I, I don't know that this is really hitting a four range for me. Um, so I am, I'm probably around a three, nine above the average, but not quite going as high as a, a four. Yeah. I, I I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I love bottle logic. I've checked in 31 of their beers. I think I'm no question over a four. I'm not sure what my exact average is, but it's definitely over a four. Uh, they on untapped, actually the brewery itself has 704,000 ratings uh, with an average of 4.16. So these guys kill it normally but I, I do have to say i'm slightly disappointed in this one and i'm down with andy i'm probably at a seven uh three seven so a little under the average it's a little just got a little bit too much sweetness for me uh in the middle and it just kind of falls flat and i like we keep saying i feel like this has happened a couple times over the last episodes we're expecting something because it tells us what it is and it's just not happening and it kind of like even if though it's still a good beer there's like a little bit extra added disappointment when that happens yep all right so like we said earlier, it's Valentine's Day. And even though this entire podcast is basically about us loving beer, so I want to take some time on this love-filled holiday to really talk about our love for beer. And I'm sorry, guys. I know this whole podcast is about our love for IPA in reality, but we're going to branch out this time. And we're going to start off with your beer style love. Tell me a beer style you love, but you cannot pick an IPA or a variant of an IPA. 
Tell me what, West. tell me what you love about it, what it is, why it's good. Let's hear it. Yes, Andy. Well, I think we, I mean, we already told the listeners that we love IPAs by starting off the episode with an IPA, but the, the beer style that I love is a Kolsch beer. And for those of you that have maybe never heard or had a, had a Kolsch beer before, this style of beer comes from Germany, specifically from Cologne, Germany. And I've checked in 37 Kolsch beers uh, throughout my time on Untapped, and I've been lucky enough to travel to Cologne, Germany, and have Kolsch beers directly from the source served how they should be served. And I enjoyed Kolsch's before that trip, but I fell in love with them during that trip because it is a perfect beer for a hot summer day. And I was thinking about how they serve the beer. And, and for those of you that don't know, they, they specifically serve it in smaller kind of cylindrical glasses that are only about six inches or excuse me, six ounces per serving size. And when you order one, you're basically ordering one until you tell the waiter to not give you any more. I like every that. time your glass is empty, <laughs> the waiter or the server will come around and bring you another glass unless you specifically, upon finishing a glass, sit your coaster on it. So you could just keep ordering it. And because they're only six ounces, they're pretty cheap, like two euro, you know, when I visited. So you could just like rack them up. And what it made me think of, um, I'm going to jump to college really quickly. So at around Arizona State University in Tempe, Arizona, when we were attending, there was a, a bar called Barney's Boathouse. And every Thursday, Barney's did like a 25 cent Dixie cup, really cheap lager special. And probably every college bar in the US does some sort of like weekly special where it's super cheap and you get a little bit of beer. And that's kind of like a more formal equivalent of like the service that we got at Barney's Boathouse because it's just, you just rack them up and you keep getting served. Place is awesome. RIP. I miss it. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's my style. I, I over the, the course of the 37 check-ins, like it, they're just good. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to, to drink one later tonight when we do our unique beer of the week, but that's my, that's the style that I love. I know it's a European style, but I do wish you could find it a little bit more in the United States. I feel like it's not all that common to see that at an American brewery nowadays, at least an American craft brewery. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you think about it, it's like pretty close cousins to like lagers and pilsners, very pale in color. I mean, the ABV ranges from 4.4 to 5.2. So it's really low ABV and really just good and, and chill to drink. Germany has very specific laws about what can be considered a Kolsch beer in Germany. And you have to be brewing it within 50 kilometers of Cologne and adhere to the very like strict guidelines that they've set in the convention regarding Kolsch style beers. So it's anything you get in the U.S. Is, is obviously like an attempt at it, but they use the Kolsch name, but it's not, you know, I guess to German standards, it's not a Kolsch beer, but comparing it to, to breweries anywhere. Yeah. Comparing it to breweries here, I'd almost put it up against like 
they're not probably as good, but like a house beer where it's a, it's oh, a yeah. lower ABV, clean, crisp here it's, in the U S it's, it's probably usually more of a lager. Um, yep. But some of those, the craft spots that are, that are starting to pick up having their own house beer. Um, I feel like there's a little bit of similarity to, to what you were talking about, Andy. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. It's, it's a light crisp beer that you can just drink a lot of, and it's not going to be, you know, not going to be too hard to drink, but it's also not going to like, you know, put you to bed after a few too many. Yeah. All right. Andy's in love with Kolsch's. Rob, what are you in love with? I'm in love with stouts. Um, and I'll tell you why. I think what they're... a surprise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? They're complex. They're unique. They have uh, strong notes of chocolate and coffee and, those are two things that I really enjoy, and that's exactly why I'm a big fan of them. But believe it or not, and I know you guys would be surprised about this, Guinness is not the only stout that's out there. What? Yeah. Shut your <laughs> mouth. Are you sure? There are many categories of stouts, like English, Imperial. There's milk stouts, oatmeal, and uh, even oyster stouts. That's gross. So- <laughs> I'm assuming that's what you're, you've got for your unique later in the episode, right, so. Rob? I don't want to ruin the surprise, but no, I couldn't find one. <laughs> so a little, little bit of history here. The first known use of the word stout with beer was in a document written in the year 1677. Although at that time and for much of the really the 18th and even into the 19th century, stout, or at least the word stout, meant strong. And so it was added to really any style. So there were many instances throughout the UK where they would add like stout pale ale or stout lager, um, really just to signify that it was a stronger beer or stronger uh, brew than what you're typically used to. It wasn't until much later on that stout just became synonymous with the word porter and with the style porter Um, and once it was associated with porter it actually then separated and became its own category or its own style altogether so rob how many if if you drank so you say you love this style if you uh, over the course of an average week how many stouts are you having a week then uh well i mean that question this, was very accusatory. By the way. Very <laughs> accusatory. <laughs> no, I mean, I I know you like stouts. I mean, last week you said you would chug a Guinness yeah, if you were the winning coach or winning uh, owner of the Super Bowl. I I'm, I definitely have less than one on average per week. I would even say that I probably have one. Well, I'd say in the winter months or the cold, oh, cooler yeah. months, I definitely have maybe one a week, um, maybe maybe less like slightly like one every two weeks when it gets into the summertime though there i don't drink them really at all yeah that makes sense i mean they're it's a tough beer to drink in the summer i mean we're always surprised especially by guinness about how light it is but i still understandably in the summer but yeah if there was a if there was a specific style of stout because i feel like that's a pretty intimidating beer are there any is there any variation within the stout style that would be more of an introduction for someone who maybe hadn't had one yet? 
Yeah, I mean, for sure. There absolutely is. I mean, you mentioned Guinness and I think, you know, Irish stouts in general, as well as English stouts and American stouts, they all come into that like four to 7% ABV range. Um, They have more mild multi flavors and lower hop taste, but they still have notes of, like I mentioned before, chocolate and coffee, um, which you'll basically find in any stout. But if you really wanted to dive like head first into them and you wanted to just go all out, then you're, and you weren't worried about more of an intro style, then you're absolutely going for a Russian Imperial or an American Imperial stout. And just go ahead and saddle up because those will range anywhere from eight to 13% ABV <laughs> if you're lucky, but they will, like I said before, they will have those same notes, those roasty, kind of, you know, like chocolate coffee notes, but they're just going to kick you in the ABV. That's a kick you in the mouth. <laughs> Rob, the, the other stout that I think you and I used to have every now and then was the old Rasputin. Uh, I think they're out of a, uh, out of San Diego, but that's a, that's a good introductory beer to Andy, your question. Um, and if you, if you can find it on stout, even it, it's relatively smooth, you can still pick up on, you know, all the flavors. It's, it's obviously still a stout. Um, but to me, it, it's smooth enough where it's a, it's a solid introduction as an alternative to something of, of just like a Guinness. That's a ballsy intro stout. I will have to say <laughs> that's a 9% stout <laughs> to intro somebody with. That's a, that's a dive head first beer. You know, it is yeah. very good. I will say it's very good, but I, I don't know if I intro stouts with that one. That's a, it's definitely got some power to it. The other, thing to the, keep, off. the other thing to keep an eye out for though, if you are trying to get into it, it's, it's fairly common to see stouts on nitro, which when you see that, I mean, stouts typically, they mainly have like lower carbonation as it is, but when they're on nitro, they tend to be, have like a more creamier mouthfeel that just goes well with the style. So that's another, if you see that at a bar, it's offered uh, on tap. It, it, it's another, you know, potentially good way to on-ramp to the style. Yeah, that's true. I was actually kind of surprised, Rob, you said, you know, that the stouts can range as low as 4%. Makes me think of that Sufferfest stout oh, yeah. head start yeah. that we had. That was, <laughs> yeah. I think, around 4.5%. <laughs> they just tasted kind of like coffee water. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I, that was a surprising fact. All right. Rom, love stouts. Josh, let's hear it. What do you love? All right. So today I'm going to talk about my newer love of sour beer. And, and I'll actually sort of steal Rob's intro of complex and unique. I think they're similar characteristics, although um, obviously very different from a chocolate coffee all the way to a Uh, sour, very often fruited beer. Um, So a little bit of background. I I think everybody's heard of them. Some people tend to stay away from them. Some people have tried them and and realized that it's not for them. Um, The the simplest way to look at it, because it it is extremely sciencey and there's a whole lot of ways that you can make one. Um, But really it just takes sort of two different types of special bacteria, lacto and pedio, and it converts sugars into lactic acid. So just like a candy makes it sour kind of kind of simple there's, there's a bunch of ways to do that um and, and part of there being a whole lot of ways to do that is one of the reasons that i love the sour category it's extremely diverse so i went through my untapped there are wild ales sour other fruited sour berliner fruited sour ale sour berliner weiss sour ipa wild 
American ale, fruit lambic. There's a million different types of styles that are all done in slightly different ways. And, you know, probably even more advanced to my palate to be able to pick them all out. I've had 27 of them, which was actually surprisingly low, uh, given, you know, over the last couple of months, I've probably had Andy to your question to Rob, maybe one or two a week. Hmm. So I've been getting into them lately. Um, sort of a, maybe a relatable beer journey for some people moving, you know, you go from a light beer to an IPA because you're looking for that flavor bomb. You eventually try a double, a triple, you're sort of pushing the hop profile. And at some point, if you want to continue experimenting, you kind of have to go away from hops and try other things. So Amber's for about, for a more of a malt profile, but for me, liking sour, liking fruit, you know, a, a sour is a different way to get a whole lot of flavor on your taste buds. And, and it's just different. It's a nice change of pace. Um, you can get them in lower ABV or higher ABV. So you can have a ton, you can have one big heavy one. It's kind of up to you. Um, I like the idea that there's sort of a really patient way to do it. Barrel aged, really expensive, but you also don't have to spend that money. You can go straight in with like a kettle sour. Um, and honestly, you can make one, you know, within a day or two. Um, there, there is some, you know, chance that, you know, some sour beers can feel a little bit similar, but I think overall the style sort of leans itself into experimentation, which is one of the reasons that, um, you know, I, I love to try beer and, and find different things that I haven't had. Um, and honestly, you know, the higher low complexity of it, I just find sours refreshing in general. And, and it gives me a little bit of a, a break from, you know, the heavier IPAs and, and the hop chase that I think most of us are constantly after. Josh, where you live in Southwestern Colorado right now, are you finding that you're able to get local sours or are you having to get sours from maybe Denver or a little bit more like populated areas where you currently are? Yeah, the smaller breweries tend to stay away from sours. And, and there's a few reasons for that being that, you know, it can uh, not to use the word contaminate, but it can sort of get into <laughs> your system. And all of a sudden that hazy IPA that you're making is sort of a hazy sour IPA. So I can see why the smaller, you know, shops tend to stay away from them unless they either specialize or they're a larger brewery who can have like a sour facility. So for the most part, I'm getting beer either from Denver or the bigger cities in Colorado, or honestly, a lot of the smaller breweries just around the Midwest, some of them just specialize in sours. So something like a Prairie Artist Nails make a ton of different sours um, that, that are all great, but they kind of focus on that. They, they make stouts and some other things, but they, they have a focus on sour. Um, and, and there's just, there's a few other in the Midwest that just really focus on that style. And, and that's usually what I'm getting here in uh, Southwest Colorado. Yeah, that's, I mean, knowing that you're not in a big city, I would imagine it can be, it can be challenging because obviously smaller breweries and smaller areas are just trying to, they may not have the flexibility to experiment as much with sours because especially right now, they're just trying to stay afloat. Yeah, survive and then yeah. make sours later. Yeah. <laughs> Josh, you mentioned that how many different types of sours there are. Do you have a favorite type of sour? A category? I don't think, honestly, that I've had enough to answer that question fully. Um, lately, I've been um, a, a huge fan of sort of the sour <laughs> Berliner Weiss. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is they're sort of really clean and crisp and not necessarily like really heavy or, you know, almost like a smoothie beer. Um, it, 
it's something that that still has that crispness and the the sourness or, or the tartness which is what i like i actually agree they're like a, it's almost like a, a nice light beer with just a little bit like a good tartness at the end rather than a lot of like the american sour i feel like a lot of times they're like pretty heavy while still being like a lighter beer because it's just so flavorful you know it's kind of like hits you in the back of the taste buds type of sour you know so Josh, I got one follow-up question. You mentioned that this is more of like a recent love affair or maybe falling in love with this beer style because you can't cheat on the IPA. <laughs> uh, but when when would you say that you kind of like started really kind of leaning towards or, or maybe falling in love with sours? I started dabbling in them, you know, forever, uh, mostly because my wife enjoys sours. So if we would go to a place, she would grab a sour, I would get my beer, she would drink, you know, 75% of it. And I would usually knock that last 25% out because it felt weird to walk away from a beer. I'm glad that, you didn't check those in though. No, I didn't. Unfortunately, <laughs> that, that's why I only have uh, 27. <laughs> so, I, but recently where I've been actually buying them for myself is not just the fact that like I've been enjoying them more and, and trying to seek out, you know, the, the exact type or style that I enjoy. Also just my local bottle shops have been getting more of them in and just talking oh, cool. to people who sort of know that I'm traditionally looking for hops and fresh IPAs and things like that. They've been able to help guide a little bit of that experimentation from the standpoint of like, Hey, I know this is what you traditionally like. You should try X, Y, and Z for these reasons. It's an awesome feeling to kind of go home with, you know, the couple beers that you intended to buy plus a, a few wild cards and sort of understand where the person who helped, you know, helped you find those was coming from when they, when they were trying to make those recommendations. Josh, similar to the question that Andy asked me for someone that's either new to sours or let's just say in, in, for me personally, do you have any recommendations on, and, and I, I say for me personally, because I'm not somebody who, who typically likes sours. So I'd be looking for more of an introductory sour. That's not going to completely turn me off from the style to begin with, but for someone that's new to the style or similar to me, do you have any categories that you would recommend that are not so sour that, that are more introductory that, that, that you would recommend? I personally believe, and, and I would love to, to hear what you guys think. Most beer styles, I think there is some sort of like intro to it or mild version of it that will like help get you into the style. I'm not sure, especially if you've had a sour and you dislike it. If you dislike it because it is sour, there's only so many things you can do. And really the only option is to turn down the sour, which at that point you should perhaps enjoy another, another style. Um, if you're if you're trying to get into it for the first time, 99% of this is is literally about experimentation. I mean, a, a decent number of these uh, breweries who are brewing these are using wild live cultures where they don't even know what the outcome is going to be. So to me, similar to like my story about talking to your you know local wherever you're getting beer locally, ask them for some sort of mild set, like see what is is new see what they would recommend that is more on the mild side. But at the end of the day, if, if you've tried a decent number of sours, I'm not sure you're ever just going to like all of a sudden get into it. it at one point, it's just lactic acid. It, it's a ton of sour and, you know, it's almost like a candy beer. All right, Wes, what is the style that you're in love with? Well, Rob, 
I cheated a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I, I know I told you you couldn't talk about IPAs, and I'm not, I'm not going to talk about IPAs, but I am going to talk about the American Pale Ale. There which you go. Is pretty fucking close to an IPA. <laughs> yeah. But it's not an IPA. <laughs> Different acronym. Yeah. APA. Basically not a IPA. cousin, like a yeah. first cousin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so start off talking about American Pale Ale. I'll give you a little bit of history like you guys did. Uh, pale Ales came to be because of English brewers who back in the day, all they had was dark beers. They were looking for something that they could be more consistent and lighter. They found that using coal-fired kiln instead of a wood-fired kiln, they could get a lighter roast on the malt, which in turn gets a lighter beer. Basically, that's the English pale ale. America pale ale is basically the younger brother of it. It's much newer. Uh, but the a- APA has a dialed down maltiness and uses a more aggressive hop variety like a Cascader Centennial. Basically, they use Northwest hops is the best way I can say it because a really aggressive hop. Uh, Sierra Nevada Brewing is actually credited with starting the American Pale Ale in 1980 with Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, one of our favorite beers. I did not know they were credited with that. So they are credited cool. with starting the style. Which is funny because it's basically they just like... Threw yeah. a bunch of American hops into it and made a hoppy exactly. one, <laughs> but I do love it. <laughs> uh, it's just one of my favorite styles because it's a nice, refreshing beer. It's got a medium body, but it lets the hops shine through a little bit. So it's like I hate using this word to be honest with you guys, but I would consider it like a crushable beer that tastes hoppy still. You can get some ones that are pretty aggressive that almost lean towards like an IPA finish. But generally, they're pretty refreshing, and they get you still get hoppy flavor, hoppy aroma, and that's just what I love about them. It, uh, Wes, I, I think listening to that, it'd be fair to say like uh, the IPA session IPAs have kind of come about lately. I would much rather have an American Pale Ale over a session IPA for that reason is it's still pushing through a whole lot more flavor, um, but it it's still a bit of a, a hop downgrade from from like an IPA. Absolutely. I feel like a session IPA to me tastes like a watered down IPA. An American pale ale tastes like a brewed light beer with hoppy flavor to it. So. Right. Would you say that IPA is the is just a stout pale ale? No. I mean, <laughs> in the meeting that you described earlier, in the origin of the stout, technically, yes, I guess you are right. It is a strong pale ale. So Wes, I got one follow-up question in regards to the pale ale. Obviously, we all love Sierra Nevada. That is kind of, I guess, maybe the, didn't know it was the forefather of the style, but <laughs> definitely a kind of on the the Mount Rushmore of pale ales would be Sierra Nevada. But are there any other pale ales or breweries that make pale ales that really stand out to you? Yeah, so... I was looking through my check-ins of pale ale, American pale ales on untapped. I've actually checked in 190, which I was pretty surprised by, to be honest with you. But I think the easiest one, and I think, I don't know if all of us have had it, or I know most of us have had it, but the zombie dust by three Floyd's brewing uh, out of Indiana is just a fantastic beer. Always super highly rated, super sought after. Actually, when I used to, when I moved back to Chicago, originally, it was pretty hard to find. It's starting to become more uh, regular, like even at a, grocery store you could find it um but that is a damn good pale ale wes you mentioned zombie dust i have never had it it's still it's on my list of, of beers that i need oh, to try no. and, and i know from looking at it that that rob and josh have had it and both have rated it very highly that beer has 
an over four average. So that means it's definitely it is a four point three average. And I, I it looking at my check in, I I know that I'm I'm a little upset because I've only given it a four. So I feel like I need to try this again. Well, and our good friend, shout out to Sam. Uh, I think this is one of his five star beers. So it he is. would be he would be rather disappointed in in our force. <laughs> well, I'm rather disappointed in my lack of checking it in. <laughs> I know, right after I told you how easy it is to find now. You're like, oh, you haven't had it. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. We'll have to now find I gotta, you. Now I got to find it. Yep. Let's see we'll have to get out to the Midwest. 100 miles of where I am. <laughs> All right, so I think that wraps up the our love for different beer, beer styles other than IPAs. But now we're going to move on to a different kind of love, guys, because once again, it's Valentine's Day. Now I want to know who your crush is, specifically your brewery crush. I want to know the brewery that you're dying to try, but you haven't been able to get your hands on yet. You haven't been, able, you haven't been there. You haven't even seen the beer, been able to put your hands on it, tap, tap room anywhere. What's your what's the beer one that you've been looking out for the most? Andy, I'll start with you. This is a kind of like a, <laughs> this <is> a deep <laughs> sigh, man. A little bit of a sore subject. It's I mean, I, I can't even say that we've been like two ships passing in the night because I think we're like two ships on different sides of the world. <laughs> Definitely two ships on different sides of the country. <laughs> but my crush for a brewery is Drecker Brewing out of Fargo, North Dakota. All of you have had Drecker beer. All of you have talked about having Drecker beer on this podcast. And I have seen your check-ins. But just like zombie dust, here I am (laughs) out on an island without ever having had a Drecker beer. Wes, you've had 10 Drecker beers. I have. And your lowest rating of those 10 is 3.9. That's impressive. You've had seven, and your lowest rating is a four. And Josh, you had seven, and your lowest rating is a four. And Rob, four of your seven beers, you gave over a 4.25 rating. And they were all deserving. Andy, don't make sure you're not look like, don't complain to us that we are checking in these great beers. I feel like you need to do better at finding them. <laughs> Andy, I feel like a fairy beer mother may be working on getting you a Drecker <laughs> beer very soon. Look, if it wasn't for COVID, I'd be in North Dakota right now <laughs> drinking a Drecker beer. But I will I will say that based on kind of the, the research I've done, if I had to choose a beer that was going to be my first, first taste from my crush, I would go king of the thing which is a double New England IPA, 8.3% ABV. There's no IBU. The average rating is 4.26. Wes, you gave it a 4.4. It's got a 94 score on Beer Advocate. And not only that, the brewery, just having looked it up on like Yelp and, and researching it, it looks like it's an old storehouse. It's a really cool vibe to it. There's a bunch of communal tables, old pinball machines. It just seems like a really cool place to go drink a beer. And I'm, I'm sad, but I'm crushing real hard on Drecker Brewing. Andy, not to rub salt in the wound or anything, but I did have a four pack of King of the Thing. I got to sample it four (laughs) times before I gave it a rating. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All right. 
that's that's well, unfortunate. Josh and I have never had it, so <laughs> I I still think it's worthy of us putting on the wish list. Can we do that? Yeah, we can find let's, it. Let's put it on the wish yeah. list. Wes, I know you've had four of them, but I think it, it sounds like what's a fan? I gave it four point four. If I can find it again, I'll send it to you guys. We can have it together. <laughs> I'm willing to try it again. It has an untapped average of four point two six, so it's it's certainly it's up there. It's very good. Not bad. Yeah. All right, so let's let's move on to make let's see if we can get the sadness out of Andy. Uh, Josh, what, what what's your brewery crush? All right, so mine is both a brewery crush and just a place that I've been wanting to go for a little while now. So Mountains Walking Brewery out of Bozeman, Montana. Um, a, I think it would just be an awesome trip, specifically if the four of us wanted to Absolutely. mosey our way over there. Um, it's one of the uh, one of the coolest cities that I've never been to, but but that's on my list. They have an average rating of 4.06 with about 33,000 check-ins. So it's a smaller, it doesn't get out a whole lot. You, you know, for the most part, people are going there to try their beer. Um, Rob, you actually tracked one down. No idea how you did it. You had their grazing cloud, New England, and you gave it a 4.2. Um, so how did you get it? Cause I would love, yeah, to. I actually got it in a Tavor shipment and I just, uh, Damn it. my, my, I, I'll tell you what, it was a fantastic New England IPA. I really enjoyed it. I just shared the picture with you guys of that I checked it in. It was a perfect pour. It probably got a little bump because the pour was just awesome. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> pour I actually just had that one a few days ago, um, less than a week ago. Uh, I, I loved it. Um, I will say it was, it had good hops. It was, I remember it being, um, a good amount of bitterness. Uh, I also very sweet too. I mean, it was it was it was kind of a very balanced. I'm hearing I'm hearing good things, I've, Rob. I've never been to Bozeman. I would absolutely be down to to go with you, Josh. Whenever we're we're able to travel and and travel back to Montana, I've been to Montana before, uh, it, and it's a beautiful state. Um, but I've never been to the the southern portion of Bozeman, which uh, is where Mountains Walking Brewery is. So. Yep. Yeah, we got to go find it. Um, to, to my point about sort of the, the lower check-in numbers, they honestly come out with a ton of new beer all the time. None of the beer like on their current beer list has more than like 50 to 100 check-ins because by the time you know people have drank it, it's gone and, and they come out with something new. Based on the beer list that, that I have available to right now, um, they have a bruh move your van. Uh, it, which is actually a New England, a triple New England IPA at 10.5% ABV. But the reason it caught my eye is they it's a collab with another really cool brewery that I think, Wes, you've had a few times. I've had one, but Humble Seas out of Santa mm-hmm. Cruz. Um, so they they partnered on a, a collab. To me, you know, those two breweries coming together, something great has to come out of it. Um, it also specifically mentions that they've been using more oat in the grain for their hazy, which is something that I've seen a few times now uh, in, in the beer that I've, I've had access to and is something that brings some smoothness to it that, that I would like. It's a 4.52 average, although to, to the point about the lower check-ins, there's only 26 people who have had it so far. So mainly I want to go to Montana, and if I'm going to go, that's the, the spot that I want to go and, and have some beer. Love it. I'm in. I'll come with you. Yeah, I'll meet you there. I'm a little, I'm, <laughs> I don't know who's the closest, you or me, Josh, but we'll get there. Oh, I've looked up. I've looked up the drive times a few times. It's a, it's a, it's a day's drive away from me. <laughs> it would take some effort. All right, Rob, what's your brewery crush? All right. Well, 
Mine is Augustiner from it's it's Munich's oldest brewery. It has an average rating of three point six five. Total check-ins, at least on Untapped, and I'm sure it's far more than this that have not been checked in on Untapped, are two hundred thirty-five thousand. But the reason I selected this is not because it's Munich's oldest brewery. The reason I checked this or or selected this one is because I've never been to Oktoberfest. And the three of you have. This is one of the six breweries that are featured at Munich's Oktoberfest. It's <laughs> it was originated by monks of the Augustinian order. At least the brewery was founded in 1328. It still exists to this day. I don't know if it's kept the name all this time, but it's certainly an a, an old brewery. All of you, the three of you have checked in beers at Oktoberfest from Augustiner. You had lager beer. Al, uh, Andy, you gave it a three. Josh, you gave it a three. Wes, you gave it a 3.75. To be honest, Andy, Josh, looking at your check-ins, you both checked it in at Berlin Hostel, which if I had to guess, maybe that was before you went to Oktoberfest. Either before or after, yeah. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, I think that was like the beer that we had when we pulled up and the nice man told us that along with our room, we could have some beer at the at the. What lobby. I found interesting though, Wes, you checked it in at Oktoberfest in the tent and it definitely got a 0.75 bump above what Andy and gave it. There is no better argument for a bump than being in a tent at Oktoberfest. Honestly, it might have gotten a whole point bump. Maybe I would normally rate it 2.75. That thing, it was just amazing. And similarly, um, you got Josh, Andy, and I think this was a separate trip that you guys did to Oktoberfest because you have now done multiple trips to Oktoberfest and I have yet to do a single one but you checked in Oktoberfest beer Andy you gave it a three Josh you checked it in twice on both occasions Josh you gave it a five Andy you gave it a three got the two Josh, point you bump clearly <laughs> gave it a bump I may, have, I may have been lost and drunk but I will stand by my five for life I love it well Josh way, we were we were told that Augustiner was the like one of the more preferred breweries from the locals Instead of like the, yeah, what you it, would like be compared to like Hofbrau, which is like more internationally known. Yeah, Augustiner honestly was was one of the harder reservations to get, and that's because more people who are local to the area. That's where they're you know taking business partners, going with friends. Like that that's a, that is a harder tent to get into because the locals do prefer. You know, I'm assuming some of them will tell me I'm wrong, but. Um, from what we heard, that was one of the preferred beers uh, that, that they even have at Oktoberfest. Did you guys have any trouble getting into the tent? We had our ways. We got in. <laughs> yeah, I think we kind of lucked out. And I guess the only advice I'll give is go early in the day. That is when your best chance is going to be to get in any tent. And I know we have a we had a full episode dedicated to Oktoberfest, but this one is high on my list. It, uh, you know, we when I was trying to think of all right, what brewery do I have a crush on? I thought about what what brewery do, have the three of you either been to or tried that I haven't had an opportunity to. And very similar to Andy, where you are, Andy, you're you're looking at Drecker as as the one that you haven't had a chance to to try, but the three of us have. I feel like Augustiner is that that brewery for me. 
but really it's it's just a chance to to experience Oktoberfest in Munich, which is high on my list. And if you guys are interested, I'm ready to I'm go back. I'm going. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, I'm in. <laughs> ready, ready to go. Yeah, sign me up. I'm in. All right, Wes, what's uh what's your brewery crush? So this one was pretty easy for me. I answered this in the last episode. Josh, you asked me if I just won the Super Bowl. Instead of going to Disneyland, what brewery I'm going to, it's Treehouse. It's Treehouse Brewing Company. Have Charlton, Massachusetts. I'm sure I said that wrong. It was not with a Boston <laughs> accent, so I apologize. Um, this is such an easy one. I mean, their average rating on Untapped, their brewery average rating is a 4.35. That's with 2.8 million check-ins they've averaged a 4.35 that's amazing um none of us have had any beers from there they were founded in 2011 they have six beers in the top 50 rated beers on untapped five of which are ipas and to put that in into perspective there's only six ipas on that list period Jeez. and the and the other ipa is plenty the younger so that's insane and I think four of their IPAs are above Planet of the Younger to also put it in perspective. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, I think the easy answer, again, if I was going to have a, the first beer I'd get from there is the only way I could think to say it is King Julius. <laughs> um, yeah. It's an 8.4% <laughs> double IPA. It's got a 4.75 average rating on Untapped with 17,428 check-ins. Um, it's an extra kettle hopped, an extra dry hop version of the King Julius, uh, their, their st- standard IPA. And it's the fourth highest rated beer on Untapped and the highest rated IPA on Untapped. So I think it's a pretty That's easy insane. answer. This one definitely goes on. Li- I think this one's an easy answer for all of us. This one's on the list for all of us. We got to get there at some point. I feel point. like this whole brewery just fits into like the whale category for us. Oh, absolutely! Like, yeah. Any 100%. any single beer yeah. from them is in the whale category. If we're going to Treehouse, I mean, you... we're, we're, we have to check out Trillium as well. Good news though absolutely. is that Treehouse is getting ready to expand, and they might be in the process now. I think they're opening two new locations. One of which I forget, I forget where one of them is, but I know one of them is in Cape Cod. Uh, it's going to be like perfectly situated right on on the coast, with uh, right on the water. It feels too far away, Rob. I need one closer. <laughs> I just looked it up. Uh, Wes, Wes has inspired me. It's a 34-hour car drive from me. Rob, I think you're probably closest. I'll cut off like 10 hours, and I think within 24 hours straight, you could show up there. So, so what you're saying is to go and pack your bags, Rob. Pack your bags. <laughs> right. Okay. All We're right. actually going to need you to exit the podcast now. <laughs> pack now. your bags. Pack the diapers. <laughs> Get in the car and go. <laughs> the diapers are for me, right, Andy? Yes, the diapers saying? are for yeah. you. Those <laughs> are adult diapers. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I keep taking the easy answers, but I think that one wraps that up. And now I have a quick question for you guys. It's the last topic of the main part of this episode. Give me, give me a quick answer on this one. What is your first love? We're going back to love. What's your first love in craft beer? Rob, I'll start with you this time. I'm going with a Sam Adams Boston Lager, uh, 5% ABV, 30 IBU, has an untapped average of 3.42 with 414,000 check-ins. I've checked it in once 
on December 19th, 2013, which is kind of surprising given that I'm noting this as my first love, but I think I've also moved on from my first love. It was a quick love. I found better things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The flash in the That's got to be one of your first untapped check-ins, though. It, that's got to be one of the yeah, early ones. Because I joined in December 2013. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, I think that's a great answer. I think Boston Beer Company is one of the first, like, craft beer, craft yeah. beer breweries. Craft so, beer like, breweries. I think that's a that's a classic, classic answer. I, I totally agree with you. Um, Josh, let's go with you next. So I'm going with one that, that some of you or maybe even all of you would agree with, which is Sculpin out of Ballast Point uh, in San Diego. You know, we've all had the, the luxury of been being having gone to San Diego together a few times. It's a 7%, 70 IBU. Don't think we need to go through it all. Bazillions of people have had it. It's a 3.97 average. Um, I've honestly, I gave it a 4.75. It was a long time ago, but I still think it's a, a super solid beer. And uh, you know, I wouldn't hesitate to to buy it again or, or drink it now, even with some of the palate changes that have taken place. I think it, I don't know that I would have necessarily enjoyed it my first like as a first love. I just feel like it would have been too hoppy for me to immediately gravitate to uh, the sculpin. However, having said that, I am certainly enjoying it. Like I, I've enjoyed it once my palate has has evolved over the years yeah i don't i i feel like it, it's actually it is hoppy to your point rob but i think it's a little bit more balanced than some of the other west coast or san diego ipas that i was sort of introduced to for a first time that is one of the more balanced ones if if it's fair to even say that yeah i love that beer um andy what do you got i'm going torpedo extra ipa from sierra nevada this is Surprisingly, not a double IPA. They call it an extra IPA. It is definitely packed with hops. I've checked it in six times. I gave it a 4.5. My first check-in was July of 2013, and the comment I left on it was my favorite beer. So pretty uh, pretty straightforward there that that's, that's the love affair yeah, that I have. That's I'm, good yeah. review. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I actually learned, though, and kind of like looking it back up is I, ne- I never knew it was dry hopped until oh interesting just like hmm. researching for this episode it was dry hop before dry hopping was yeah cool. and there's like a part of the name <laughs> torpedo is like the mechanism that sierra nevada developed to dry hop the beer interesting mm. i did not know yeah, that. i didn't either until but it's beer i love so wes i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot it back to you what's uh what was your first love yeah, I'm going to go with one that was my first love and is still one of my favorite beers that you can get easily anywhere in the country is the Lagunitas IPA. Um, I think everybody's had this. Everybody, I think everybody enjoys it. It's a hugely checked in beer. Um, I've had it three times. I've rated a 4.0 on untapped every time. It's just got a nice balance with a light hoppy aroma and finish. My favorite thing about it, though, is like that is if I'm bringing beer in a larger quantity and I want it to be an IPA, oh, that's yeah. what I'm getting. I'm going to go get a 12 pack or a 24 pack of Lagunitas. It's just such a good, yeah. like classic tasting IPA. It's a people pleaser and you can it's it's balanced enough to where you it's not like you have two and you're like, holy shit, I can't taste anything yeah. anymore. Like overpowered my palate. 
it's just a really great IPA overall. I feel like that's the, overall that that beer, Lagunitas IPA, is the is the beer you see. It's always like the fallback you see at restaurants. If there's like something that you yep. you maybe like aren't like too keen on, or there's nothing like super unique, you're pretty much always going to find a Lagunitas, and it's always going to be a solid beer to drink. So I I completely agree with that pick, Wes. All right, I think that's uh, enough love for now. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with our unique beer of the week. Hey there, thanks for checking out the Brews Day podcast. For more content or to leave a comment, check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts at the Brews Day. And for your daily dose of beer photos and reviews, check us out on Instagram at the Brews Day Review. Cheers. And now back to the show. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> All right, welcome back. Uh, we are going to jump right into our unique beer of the week. And as Andy alluded to earlier, uh, since we all had our love of styles other than IPAs, we're going to do something wild, and none of us are going to have an IPA for once. So we're all, we all brought a beer for, of our favorite style, of our love style from earlier, um, and let's hear what you guys have. Andy, I'll start with you. Feel free to pour for a while, and I can just have a lot of foam. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot less foam in this beer today compared to the Windy City I had or excuse me, Windy Hill I had last week from me, Keller. So today I'm drinking a Tacoma brew from E9 Brewing, which is in Tacoma, Washington. As I mentioned in my love style section, this is a Kolsch beer, 4.8% ABV. There's no IBU listed. It has a 3.45 average on untapped with over a thousand check-ins. This is actually, probably, I think the second time I've had this beer, I actually didn't end up checking it in the first time. So I'm, I'm glad I'm getting to drink it again. Uh, this, you know, at first taste, it it follows kind of pretty true to the Kolsch style. I actually don't get as much bite as I recall from more kind of German Kolsch's, more of a traditional Kolsch, but it, they're best served, I think, like pretty cold. And so this is obviously I'm pouring it into a pint glass, so I'm not following the traditional guidelines, but uh, I'm a fan of it. I'm probably right around a three, five, like it, these beers don't, don't vary too much in their range in terms of like rating. I think they're kind of in that, that standard, like three, four to three, six range. So I'm probably right in the middle of that around a three, five, but Andy, I'm enjoying it. I love Kolsch style beers. Andy, do you have a Kolsch glass? I don't actually. Oh, we're going to need to get you one. Yeah, I know. I need to, uh, one thing I really like about this, uh, this specific beer is I don't, obviously the listeners can't see it, but it's like pretty like straightforward can, but the way that I just like, it's like really sleek and the wrap is gold on it. Yeah. Straightforward and bright gold. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not over the top at all. Rob, what do you got for your unique beer? So I went with the Caucasian. It's a white Russian Imperial Stout from Texas Ale Project out of Dallas, Texas. I've had this one before, so it's not really unique for me. And Josh, I know you've had it before as well. It, it It's so unique, though, that I felt like it was worth calling out. So I'm going to show you guys the color of it. This isn't typically what you would you would see or what you would expect from a stout. And to be honest, if you were to oh, close your eyes or blindfold yourself while you were drinking this, you would never guess that this is the color of, of the beer. It's brewed really with, red, right? 
it, it's in the glass it's more like honestly, an ale or like Auburn? it looks more like a like a uh a red ale or a, a a kind of a deep ruby ipa it's brewed with madagascar bourbon vanilla beans full city rooster cold brew coffee which is a local roaster here in in dallas american oak and aged in bourbon bales barrels for about four months on it, it, like i said if you were to blindfold yourself you would think that this was a, a full-on stout in the traditional dark kind of chocolate and coffee color it, it i don't know what gives it this lighter color but it's it's pretty amazing it has a it's nine percent abv 75 ibu 3.94 average with only 4,400 check-ins. I think the white Russian Imperial Stouts, I'm starting to see these more and more out there. I think they're becoming more of a trend. I would be interested to see if if we're able to find these, at least uh, it, be, be able to locate these you know, more and more throughout 2021. Rob, I have a quick question because you mentioned it was 75 IBU. Is so is that more bitter than the dexterity the dexterity check that we had, which was 70 IBU? Honestly, it's it's very well balanced. So while it, it uh, maybe on the front end it is, it I felt like the bitterness of dexterity on the back end with that 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 pine taste to me made dexterity more bitter, but I, I would not I would also guess. make Rob, I would make the assumption that the nine percent ABV probably masks a bit of the 75 B- IBU. Big time. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And good news for you, while you may have had it previously, you have not checked it in yet. So you still get the unique check-in. And I have not had it Beautiful. either. So I need to get back to uh to Dallas. All right then. <laughs> All right, Josh, what do you got? So I'm drinking Planetary Shoes. It's a fruited sour by Wild Mind Artisan Ales. They're out of Minneapolis. Um, I've had one recently. We just covered um, Electric Rainbow on the Brews Day Review. Spoiler alert, that was me. Um, I I think they're really good. I've I've had a couple of their beers now, and and they have some really interesting flavor. This one specifically calls out pineapple, mango, lime, and milk sugar. Hmm. Milk sugar is sort of the oddity to me. Pineapple and lime, uh, super overpowered mango. So don't get very much of that. Although to be fair, those are those are some pretty powerful flavors. And the milk sugar certainly comes out with this like non-see-through, very juicy looking beverage. Very orange uh, juice looking. Very orange juice. They describe it sort of as a smoothie style sour ale, although they, they didn't put that in sort of the description. I, I would say that that's accurate. I get a ton of the pineapple, ton of the lime. Milk sugar is, is probably more of a texture thing. The issue to me is, and I didn't get this on the electric rainbow, but it's definitely a kettle sour. And there's a little bit of like a, a sl- it's very slight, but to me, a bit of an artificial aftertaste, um, hmm. which, which brings it down just slightly. Although at this point, that, that's kind of the way that, that you can mass manufacture sours is, is kettle souring anyway. Gosh, I didn't really understand anything you just said about how the kettle sour affects <laughs> whatever that was. But you obviously are much more knowledgeable on sours than I am. Obviously, you are in love with that style. So I would expect that. But I do have a follow-up question for you because 
now that you have kind of stepped into home brewing, and I think probably just in terms of equipment, you have far surpassed uh, both Wes and myself in terms of the uh, quality of equipment. But uh, do you plan on brewing a sour or attempting to brew a sour anytime soon? I would love to. I think sour is one of the styles where all of a sudden the basic math that I've used for my IPA, uh, all of a sudden it becomes advanced timing math, uh, (laughs) brewing capability, and all sorts of other things that I do not have experience with. I would love to try one. I'll probably do like a very small batch just in case I, I completely botch it. There's also a part of me that doesn't want three gallons of the exact same (laughs) sour to drink like day after day after day. So I I could see myself like experiment, like if I just got a few of the small ingredients, like trying something out and maybe making like a gallon or like half a gallon or something like that. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't call this out. Uh, It was 4.5% ABV, a 3.98 untapped rating, which, which is, you know, about average for wild mind, Uh, only 220 check-ins. I'm a little bit lower than the the 3.98. I'm probably like a 3.8 or a 3.7, mostly because of that aftertaste. If if that wasn't there and just the pineapple, lime, and milk sugar was coming through, I'd, I'd probably be closer to the average. All right. Well, I, as, as you guys know, my love was a pale ale. I did try my best to buy a pale <laughs> ale. It does say pale ale on the side of this can, in my defense, but it is actually a New England pale ale. Um, it's called the Arita from Pueblo Vita Brewing Company in Tucson, Arizona. It's got a 5.5% AVB, 4.09 average with 254 check-ins. They say they dry hop this one with Strata and Citra. Hmm. Guys, this thing is good. It is dank. It's got a very dank aroma. It's got a dank flavor to it. Smooth. It's got that exactly expected a paleo, like very smooth throughout, smooth finish. But it's so dank that I'm just like in love with this beer right now. It is so good. I have not had a truly very like dank smelling beer, like a dank aroma and dank yeah. flavored beer in a while. And I'm very happy with this one. Sounds like you're describing an IPA. <laughs> no, it's a pale ale. It's a New England pale ale. <laughs> it's lighter, Rob. Um, but this is, it's like I said, this is a 4.09 average. I think I'm probably at like a 4.4. This thing is really, really wow. good. Really happy with oh, it. Oh, wow. Pleasantly awesome. surprised. You know how we've been talking about how we've been reading things, you've been reading descriptions of beers and kind of getting disappointed by it? I don't know if I had huge expectations for it. I didn't really know what to expect. And I'm very pleasantly surprised. So I think I'm going over the average at like a 4.4. I really like it. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So let's enjoy these beers and move on to the big board for the week. Uh, We can enjoy one more victory. Uh, We'll cut that out. Don't worry, guys. I'll cut that out. Um, (laughs) So so last week we did the Super Bowl. Uh, We did Josh's side bet edition. We bet we chose heads or tails, whether the coin toss would be heads or tails. We're also choosing the longest touchdown, whether it's over and over or under 45 yards. And then the tiebreaker was going to be Tom Brady's yards thrown. Guys, I think I can easily say that everybody was expecting a lot more of an offensive matchup. And this was a very surprisingly defensive matchup. For one team. For one team. (laughs) Uh, No, for both teams. Uh, I I understand that Kansas City didn't do well, but 
Remember how we bet on the line of Tom Brady's passing yard as being 295 and it was pretty even odds? Well, he threw for 201, so he was nowhere freaking close to it. That is the reason that our good friend Andy yes. was the champion, because let me just go through it real quick. We all chose heads other than our friend Josh, who said tails never fails. Well, tails mm. very much failed. Uh, it was heads. I'd like uh, to say that it was very close. It was one more rotation. It was true. You You were were one off. Real close, I guess. (laughs) You could say so. Um, The longest touchdown being over or under 45, we all took the over. Didn't happen. And it was nowhere close to that. I think the longest one was like 20 yards, maybe. Um, And then, as I said, the tiebreaker was yards thrown by Tom Brady. He was at 201. So Andy chose heads. He chose, we all chose over, but then he went with 302 yards. So he was the closest to that even though still over a hundred yards away. <laughs> so yeah, we are, you guys tried to set me up for failure by like did. kind of like boxing me in, but I've, I, I found a way. Yeah. We, we prices right at the wrong way. That's for I, sure. I've been there, Andy. <laughs> so I was second. I went with three Oh three, just one yard over Andy. It did not work out for me. I needed to go the other way. Uh, Rob was the same choices as us, but he had 345 yards. So he was third. Way and then, off. as I said, Josh chose all the questions wrong. But you were close on the tiebreaker, tie but it doesn't matter if you lose. So, sorry, you and, were the loser. And just to illustrate how far away we were, I was a full 100 yards off of what he actually threw for. Yes, you were exactly 100 <laughs> yards off. So it was a pretty poor showing on all of us guys, but that's okay. I think that game was pretty surprising, but it was fun to watch. And Tom Brady has won another Super Bowl. So hopefully somebody else wins next year. (laughs) Um, All right. So let's move on to this week's big board. We are going with UFC 258. I have picked the top three, the last three bouts in the main card. Uh, The first one, I'll go from the the first to happen to the final card. Uh, First one is Gastelum versus Heinzich. That's just going to how we say it. That's probably wrong. I apologize. It's a min, men's middleweight fight. It's going to go three rounds. Uh, Barber versus Grasso. It's a women's flyweight fight. It's the co-main card, uh, three rounds. And Usman versus Burns is the uh, final card. It's a championship fight, and it's a men's welterweight. It's the main card, and it goes five rounds. The tiebreaker on this one, the reason I'm telling you how many rounds it's going is because I want to know what you think the total amount of rounds between all three matchups are going to be. And since, Andy, you were the champion last week, you're first. All right. So in a previous big board, I chose against Usman. And so I'm not going to make that decision again. I'm going with Usman. He's 17 and one Burns is 19 and three. So, you know, Usman's got, Close. he's yeah. also favored uh, in the odds. So I'm going with Usman. My uh, surprise pick here is I'm actually going with Barber over Grasso. Barber's coming off an ACL injury and she's absolutely uh, the underdog in this bout, but I, I think she's going to come out with the victory. And then last, I'm going to take Gastelum. He's 16 and six. Heinish is 14 and three. And, but Gastelum's favored. I, I just think it's going to go to Gastelum. And I'm going to go tiebreaker seven rounds. 
Okay. So Andy, this is, I'm I'm happy to hear those answers because finally we're going to have some different answers. We're not all going to answer the same, at least after the first two people. (laughs) Um, All right. So I went, actually went with Heinisch in the first one. I think he's going to come over Gaslam. I went with Grosso in the second one. So we're different in both of those. I cannot bet against Usman. Man is just a wild man. Burns is actually only one by decision, 22% of his wins, meaning every other one has either been, has been a knockout or a TKO. So I think he's going to try to take advantage of that. And then Usman is just going to rock him and knock him out at some point in this fight. I, on the tiebreaker, I'm going to go a little higher than you. I think most of these are going to go pretty far into the fight. And I'm going to go with nine rounds. All right. That's a pretty bold choice with nine. I mean, I guess the the Usman Burns fight, that could go five. So I guess that'll that maybe could get you your we will see. You. We will see. Oh yeah. Uh Rob, what do you got? You're you were third last week, so you're up. So I'm going I'm also going with Heinish in in the first bout. I will be going with Barber in the second match. Even though Andy, like you said, coming off an ACL injury. I've been there. I know what it's like. You can recover <laughs> from that. I, I'm, I'm not letting that deter Barber. She's got this. And then I'm going to stick with Usman because I feel like I got to. I'm going to sandwich myself, though, at, at a tiebreaker of eight rounds. Okay. You just, I think you, I just saw visible upsetness from Josh. You just, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing some, I'm doing some math because I'm trying to figure out. I, I don't think I can take any of your guys' tiebreaker numbers. It depends on what you pick. Well, that's why I'm trying to do the math. <laughs> so, I mean, basically, uh, you have to pick, you have to pick Burns if you want to try to take any of our tiebreakers. You got to pick Burns. Absolutely not. So, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Gastelum in the in the first round. I'm going Barber, uh, similar to Andy in the second round. And I, I don't, I can't go against Usman. I think you guys listed off a, a number of reasons. Also, just Burns looks really sad in his promo photo, and it, it doesn't amp me up. It's not part of Andy's keys to victory. Um, so I'm, I'm going Usman. Based on those picks, I think I have to choose a tiebreaker that has not been chosen, which is very unfortunate. Just choose six because you get anything under that. Yeah, go with six. I don't like six. Or go with 10 because you get anything over that. Go with 12. Yeah, go with 12. No, I'm going, I'm going 10. <laughs> going 10, going high. Damn. Okay. Okay. High. Guys, I'm surprised everybody other than me went with the underdog in the second fight. Oh, no responses. Wow, Jesus. No. <laughs> Are you surprised by that? Look, I feel like I gave my reason. To you did. Yes. And Rob just piggybacked my reason. <laughs> I I'm trying to ride the coattails that I'm, I have from winning last week, trying to see if he can ride that to a victory this week. I have no idea who any of these people are with the exception of Usman only because we talked about Usman last year. Well, good luck, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> All right. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, it's, it's happening this Saturday. So we'll get some answers on Saturday. Uh, let's move on to the lightning round. We're getting back to the love theme. I'm going to ask you guys a Valentine's Day themed question. I'll give you three beers to choose from. And you'll be picking just one of those as your answer. 
You guys got it? Yep. Okay. Josh, I'm starting with you. Which one of these beers would you pick for your one-night stand? You're having a one-night stand. In that, I mean, you get unlimited beers, unlimited number of these beers for one night. Drink it by yourself. You can host a party with it. You can give it to your friends all in one night. But after that night, you can never see it or have it again. Dang. Right. You ready? I'm ready as I'm going to be. I'm not going to lie to you. I picked all five rated beers from you. And <laughs> I went with the Grapefruit Sculpin from Ballast Point, the American IPA, Pliny the Elder, Russian River. It's a double oh. IPA. And Racer 5 from Bear Republic, American IPA. Oh, that's so tough. I don't know what I would, oh, I think I know what I would pick, but obviously it's not my question. You know, the, the one that I would probably choose is the Racer 5. And, and I think the reason behind that would be that some of, you know, those other beers have, you know, specific things that, that I enjoy doing still to this day with other people. Racer 5 is something I feel like I could have one more of enjoy it and then honestly at this point i'm sort of on the hunt for new things that i haven't had and and it's pretty rare that i'm going back to a racer five unless i'm at a restaurant that that has a more minimal menu so for for that reason i, I love racer five but I, I would probably choose that as the one that i would sort of have one more of and and then get rid of you know Gosh, you can have a really one more fun of. night yeah it's it's a lot you get as many one. as you want in one night <laughs> exactly. you can give them to us you can give them to your friends you can give them to random people could I give you a million of them and then you could give me one back? No, no not after, nope. not nope. after midnight. They all okay. disappear at midnight. Yeah. It's like Cinderella's slippers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I get to have a shitload of them. Yeah. Just you get to have a fun night. Basic ingredients. Also drinking as many as racer fives as you possibly can in one yeah, night is going like, to end up real badly. Yeah, you're never going to want one I'm probably going to have three and then I won't want it anymore. Yeah, anyway. Your night will be extremely short and your next week will be extremely long. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, Andy, you're next. All right. You're, you're getting a little bit more serious with your beer. Which Ooh. one of these beers are you going to marry? And by marry, I'm saying the one you pick, you get for free for the rest of your life, whenever you want it. I like that split of finances right there. <laughs> so I also gave you uh, all five rated beers on tapped. Your first one okay. is ski jeans from Ooh. Austin beer works. It's an American IPA. Okay. One of one of your, I, you've talked about this one a lot. Uh, the next one is relax. It's just a hazy IPA from offshoot beer company, uh, Ooh, new England IPA okay. and critical space. Oh. From Cerebral Brewing Company, double New England IPA. Oof. Oh, Good luck, Andy. Oh, the critical space was the most recent <laughs> five out of that grouping. I got to go Ski Jeans. Ski Jeans had the combination of being such a great beer and also just a brilliant can design. I got to go Ski Jeans from Austin Beer Works in Austin, Texas. I still want them to bring it back. I've had other great beers from them, but they need to bring ski jeans back. This is my plea, Austin. <laughs> bring ski jeans back. You know, I kind of had a feeling that was going to be your answer. I'll be honest with you. And, <laughs> and it was hard because answer. you did have critical space on there. And I know you love that beer, but I, I, I just remember your passion for ski jeans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob. Sorry. Yours is going to be a little bit darker. Oh, Which man. one of these beers are you divorcing? 
You can never <laughs> have it again. Not even one last sip. It's just gone. The second it's you answer gone. this, never happening again. Okay. All right. Gone for just yours Rob is, or for yours everyone? Yours are all five rated beers. Uh, just for Rob. You're all five rated beer, five star rated beers. For me? Yes. Like I, I rated yes. these five? Yes. Ooh, um, right. It's a little bit of a more interesting combo. First one is Yingling. Okay. Next one is Guinness. Okay. And the last one is Haptic Feedback, the New England IPA from Cerebral Brewing Company. Wow. All five rated beers from, Je- from Rob. Hate to say it, uh, but it's part of the game. I am going to say goodbye to drum roll, Yingling. I'm, I'm going to say goodbye. Getting to ready, him. Yingling. Yeah, wow. I'm going to say okay. goodbye. Even though to it's it. moving closer to where you yeah, are. No, you'll have to see it. It's moving closer, but I'm pushing it away. <laughs> but remember, the free beer in your, you mentioned to us last season, the free beer in your dad's fridge is usually Yingling. You can't have his free beer in that <laughs> fridge if you choose that answer. <laughs> yep. So we got to, yeah, something else is going to, something's right. going to have to give. Bold I choice. I like is. it. All right. <laughs> I mean, I would probably make the same choice. I, I don't have as, as much the of the yeah. affinity for <laughs> for Yingling as Rob may have, being from Pennsylvania. But I would make the same choice. So I, yeah, I agree with you, Rob. All right, Wes. So we decided for you to just basically use your three questions back at you. So yikes, we've got three beers for you. Okay, and you need to decide. Which of these, one of them you're going to have to decide which is, or what is your one night stand? One of them okay. will, you'll have to marry. One of them you'll have to divorce. So the three beers are Arita, which is the unique beer that you just checked in. Lagunitas IPA, which was your first love. And the third beer is going to be any treehouse beer that, oh. you, that you try. <laughs> Yikes. Well, I think the easy answer here, and there's only one easy answer here, is I'm going to marry the Treehouse beer. There you go. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a good beer, and I can have it whenever I want for the rest of my life. That sounds great. The divorce and uh, be both the divorce and the one-night stand are tough. Um, I think the one-night stand, I'm going to sadly say, sorry, Lagunitas. I'm going to go Arita because I want to share that one with you. It's so good. And you could have a lot of those all night. It's going to, it's, it's delicious it's sitting right in front of me. I really like it. Kills me to say this, but I'm breaking up with Lagunitas. I'm divorcing it. I don't want to, but you got to, you made me. It's your fault. It's Rob's fault. It's, it's Rob's fault. He read the question. Rob's fault. I had no part in that. <laughs> that was tough. All right, let's move on to the good, bad, and ugly of the week. Let's hear your uh, good, great, bad beer news of the week. I'll go first. I'm jumping right in. I got a good. Josh, you mentioned last week that your good was coming across Heady Topper. And my good is that I received my heady topper today in the mail. There so you go. I'm very excited to drink that at a, in a future episode or in a future situation with us because it's, it's on the way. If Robin West, if you haven't received it yet, it's on its way, but I got mine today and it's almost like 
I just like cradled it. I don't want to break it. I don't want to like mess it up in any way. I want to like just like preserve it until the moment that we're, we decide that we're going to drink it. So that's, that's my good. I would, I would call it a great. I can, I can stay similar with you, but mine's kind of the other way, similar to what Josh's was last week. Our poor Andy has sat there almost in tears in this podcast, never having a Drecker beer. Well, I have two four packs in hand. They're about to be shipped out oh, to all of you. So Andy, snaps. your first taste of Drecker are coming soon. And oh. that, that's a great for me. That makes me feel good. Andy, we're going to share it with you. Well, now I got two good. Yeah, there you go. Because that means I'm going to get one in the mail. <laughs> this podcast does not condone shipping mail or shipping beer in the mail. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I didn't Please. ship it. It's being walked. Uh, it's, Please uh, ship appropriately it's, through yeah. uh, legal He found channels. it in the store. <laughs> so I had a, a bad, but it was mainly because the weather in Dallas is is turning mighty cold over the next week. And actually over the next, I don't, I don't know, 10 days. I mean, they just keep extending it out further. And unfortunately, my beer supply is growing thin and my my stout and porter supply is virtually empty at this point. Now that I just consume the drank your last one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically gone. So, but you know what? Maybe this is turning to a good because I'm now hearing about some, mind you, legal ways that beer is being sent to me, uh, and I'm very stoked about that. But yeah, I I'm I'm a little, little nervous that uh, my beer supply is not going to be able to to get me through this cold snap that's that's heading to texas uh, rob how cold is it gonna be uh we're gonna be heading into i don't know that we're gonna be above 40 for the next uh, week or so <laughs> so uh, we're dipping into the teens which i know this isn't i know that a lot of the country is is facing far worse but uh we're gonna be looking at uh the low like tens potentially even into single digits so to be clear here in in the middle of the day when it's 40 you can't go get beer <laughs> in, your car. in your car in your car with frozen nope i gotta stay in <laughs> no. yeah, okay texas, yeah. texas shuts down when i get yeah, that texas cold is things just down. stop moving <laughs> just, just canceled <laughs> people stay home stay indoors yep. i think i took my trash out a couple mornings ago and it was like four degrees yeah trash i think you'll be you'll gonna, be okay trash is just gonna be building up <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'll, I'll call mine a good, it was kind of a, an average beer week. Uh, in addition to finding that heavy topper, I had found a, a few different uh, styles of beer that, that I've enjoyed. Um, what I'm most excited for this coming week is that we are expected to get a new shipment of beer across all of my local small uh, craft beer shops. Um, so that that's called kind of my rallying cry to go and, and pick up all my beer for the foreseeable future before, uh, before all the uniques disappear. I love that's before it gets too cold. Before yeah. it gets too cold and my car doesn't turn on. I, I love that you know when they receive beer shipments. Oh, yeah. I email them. It's a long <laughs> drive. That's awesome. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for episode 30 of the Bruise Day podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening. And we're going to end it at the only way we know how to. Peace. 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 Peace.